0: Well, turn your Bibles this morning. First Kings chapter twelve. First Kings chapter twelve. I'm starting. i started a series last week called "Dumb and Dumber," and uh, it's a series ca- helping us to learn from the mistakes of other people, so we find God's blessing by not repeating those mistakes. And we've got a little video. I think it'll get your attention, but it's called "Dumb and Dumber." Go! Please go! go. Please go! Please go. Oh! <laughs> Ха-ха-ха! <laughs> Okay, the only thing dumber than that is if you repeat their mistakes. I read a headline this week in my news gathering, it said this woman called 911 to ask the police to help her get a refund from her drug dealer. True story. 911. I didn't realize I was down to my last 50, and I bought the crack, and I need you to help me get my money back. How many know people do dumb things? And we don't even think about it. Well, the Bible is filled with stories, examples of people who did dumb things. Last week, we learned the first one. We learned about a young man who literally traded his eternal soul for an idol. And this week, we're going to talk about the word influence. And I want to talk about a guy. In the Old Testament, his name was Rehoboam. This guy was kind of at the pinnacle of his life. He was in a great place, but yet he let the wrong people influence him and he lost 90% of what he had in life. Let me say it again. He let the wrong people influence him and he lost 90% of what he had. Now, we're talking about this word influence, and it's important to you because the people that you allow to influence you will determine your future. You say amen a little louder, or I'll preach a little shorter. How about that? The people you let influence you will determine your future. How about this week? Who influenced the Boston Marathon bombers? Those guys didn't just do that arbitrarily or on their own. Somebody influenced them to make a really dumb decision. Wound over 200 people. Several innocent people were killed. Who influenced them? I suggest to you it could well have been the Koran. They were Islamic men, they were followers of Islam. The Quran has over 100 verses that talk about the justification of violence and the spread of their religion in jihad. I suggest to you that terrorists, if you have read the the information about them, you might not see that now. It'll fade over time. But in those first few days, it was very clear that terrorists had been involved in their life influencing them. Now, they'd been in America for a number of years, uh, had gone through our school systems, uh... Uh, Who else influenced them? You think they were influenced by somebody on Facebook that encouraged the dialogue that they were in? I suggest so. You think they were influenced by a website that uh, showed them how to make a bomb? Likely so. Their bomb had the signature of Al-Qaeda. I suggest to you they did something very stupid, very dumb, that harmed a lot of people. And it's because they let the wrong people influence them. Well, what I'm talking about this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you uh, several questions for you to ask yourself the question, who's influencing me? Because I guarantee you, friend, everything that I'm doing, everything I will do, is because of some influence or lack of godly influence in my life. So let's explore it. The title of the message is Influence, and we're going to begin in 1 Kings chapter 12. And my hope is that you will choose the right people to influence you, because the people you let influence you... Will determine your future. First Kings, chapter twelve, verse three, the story of Rehoboam. We pick up. It's the history of the nation of Israel. As you know, Israel as a nation, there were twelve different tribes, the sons of Jacob. They all. Uh, this nation had coalesced. Uh, their capital was in Jerusalem. Under King David, they began to reach their greatest days. That culminated in a man named Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, and he died, and the kingdom is turned over to his son, Rehoboam. So now, verse 3, finds us the whole assembly of Israel, that is, all 12 tribes, went to speak with Rehoboam, and here's what they said, verse 4, lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, and then we'll be your loyal subjects. Now, mind you now, it was not a a republic or a democracy like we have today. It was a kingdom. It was a monarchy. And it was led not just by a civil leader, but there was spiritual leadership intertwined with the civil leadership. We're taught in America today that, that you shouldn't have God in government. Can I tell you, we've made a huge mistake. Because we let someone in our legal system begin to influence us in that direction over the last few decades. It's been a big mistake. But here in their case, what they're saying is this. Look, your dad made life too difficult here. I mean, we weren't just working the 40 hours. We were working 70, 80 hours a week, high taxes. If you lighten up, we'll follow you. And here's what he did. Um, He said wisely, verse 5, give me three days to think about this. And then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men, his father's counselors. How I many know just because you're older doesn't mean you're wiser? You can be older and dumber or younger and dumber. Interesting, though, there, most of those uh, people in the video were younger people. Do You know why? The older people are all dead that tried that, okay? So, so dumbness has a way of, of, of cleansing itself from the population But he asked the older man, how should I answer these people? And these older counselors said, if you're willing to be a servant to these people today, if you'll give them a favorable answer, they'll always be your loyal subjects. Verse 8, though, Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who'd grown up with him. Now, first of all, again, wisdom is not just found in age. I would rather listen to a spiritually uh, mature young person Than a secularly educated or thinking older person. I want somebody that has the influence of God in their life, but obviously these young people didn't. They had more ego. He listened to them though. Verse 13 and 14 Rehoboam followed the counsel of his younger advisors, and he told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you. I'm going to make them even heavier. It's more taxes, it's more hours. Well, all Israel realized the king refused to listen. And here's what they said, down with the dynasty of David. In other words, we're not hanging with you any longer. Only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to them, to the family of Rehoboam. Now, what's the long and short of that? Here this guy had 12 tribes of people. If we can imagine, like 12 states. And they all came together and said, look, if you'll just change a little bit. But he rejected the influence of the godly council. And he followed the influence of the, of the ungodly council. And guess what happened? He lost over 90% of everything. And from that time, their nation began to do just like that. It began to fall apart until ultimately their temple was destroyed. And we find ourselves where we were in Jesus' day when all Jerusalem and the Jews are under the power of Rome. This happened because one man let the wrong people influence him. And I'm telling you, and the lesson for this morning is the people that you allow to influence you directly and indirectly. I'm talking about face-to-face friends. I'm talking about people you listen to the radio. I'm talking about songs that you sing. I'm talking about dialogue on Facebook. I'm talking about what you hear on the evening news. How many know we live in a world today that's constantly after us? marketers want us to not only buy things but people want to shape our thinking politicians wanna shape our thinking about everything from gun control to immigration control to abortion to go on down the line and I'm telling you what we hear in America today is not objective all the time there seems to be an undercurrent of bias and whoever we listen to come on, will influence us in the good way or a bad way so let me ask you four questions to hopefully you ask yourself And my great hope this morning is that there's a voice within my voice that the Holy Spirit will speak to you about some possible influences in your life that are pulling you in the wrong direction and that you'd make a decision in church today between you and God that I'm following the right way and not the wrong way. All right, let's look at the first one. Proverbs chapter 12, asking you four questions to begin with and then we'll talk about the power of Christian influence. All right, the first four questions. Number one, whose advice do you listen to? Am I listening to a godly believer or a worldly person? And I'm not talking about whether you, know, whether you buy Skittles or a chocolate. I'm talking about life's bigger decisions. I'm talking about the things that have bearing on your life, um, uh, the bigger decisions. Uh, who are you going to marry? Come on. Uh, are you, are you going to go to the big party this weekend? And I'm telling you, that could be really fun or could be really destructive. Who are you listening to in terms of decisions that you make? Proverbs 12, 26, the Word of God says, The godly give what? Everybody say it again. Good advice. It's going to help you to their friends. But what do the wicked do? Lead them astray. In other words, godly people help you stay lined up with what God teaches in the Bible. Ungodly people pull you away, and you'll ultimately end up in a ditch. Now, dear Abby... She had a, uh, someone respond to her with a question. It's called Confused in Illinois. Confused in Illinois writes this. She said she had no, no interest in sexual relations with her husband because she was involved in a passionate sexual relationship with a female friend. Abby said, look on the bright side. At least you finally understand what's been missing in your marriage. Now, I suggest to you that she was still confused in Illinois after Abby's writing. Why do you say that, preacher? Is that just your opinion? No, you know what? The Bible's pretty clear about marriage, about sexuality. Uh, The question is will I embrace it or not? We're thinking, we're talking about marriage advice. Remember the movie Fireproof? Great, great movie about marriage and about hope and about how God can fix broken marriages. Well, you remember, of course, this, this guy, he's let's say 30, and he and his wife, and he calls dad and says, you know, we're just, it's not working out. We just can't make it. You know, we're going to separate. And dad goes to praying, of course, and dad offers him what's called the 40-day dare. Remember the story? And what dad is giving him is good advice to help turn him from a selfish man, come on, self-centered, into a husband that loves his wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, well, that's good advice. And if you remember the story, when she's in the hospital now, that she's got a doctor trying to seduce her and pull him, her over to his side, even though he's married too and she's married, they're kind of doing their own thing. Well, there's an older nurse that gets the burden of the thing and sits down and has lunch with her and has the kindness. How I mean, no, not, not self-righteous, not bigotry, not condemning, not judging, but in a loving fashion telling her the truth. Can I tell you, the advice that you get will pull you in the right direction or the wrong direction. And it's not just for adults. Here's a great scripture for kids, and I want everybody under 18 to say this real loud with me. Proverbs 13.1, it's on the screen. Come on, everybody under 18. Wise children take their parents' advice. Let me hear it again now. Come on, kids. Wise children take their parents' advice. All right, teenager, come on, undo your arms here, lighten up. When your parent, when you were little and your parent said don't go out in the street, you could get run over by a car, was that good advice or bad advice? But you had no clue because cars were fun and they'd take you places, but your parent had an ability to help guide you in the right direction. Well, how about now that you're officially grown up and you know how to make your own decisions and nobody needs to tell you what to do? Listen, I've been there, I totally understand. But your parents try to talk to you about a party, about alcohol, about drugs. Of course, you know that, and you know the kind of person you are, and all those things. And, Mom, you just don't know, you just don't understand. I'm telling you, you can get in a lot of trouble with alcohol and drugs. There's a lot of accidents. My kids go to Redwater School every day. I drop them off. There's a number of benches that are around the flagpole, and they have kids' names on them, about kids that have killed, come on, that were just riding up and down 67 or in the country when alcohol's involved. Mom and dad may well know that there's something called a date rape drug that somebody can drop in your drink. Come on. And it doesn't have to be an alcoholic drink. It just could be your Coke that you left somewhere. And before you know it, you've just become the, the, the object of someone's one-night fantasy. I'm telling you, your parents have an, uh, has a, a wisdom about them. My wife even told me something yesterday I didn't know. She said, before the era of John, before I came into her life, she said, I met this guy when I was in Wyoming that I really, really liked. And all my friends said, hey, he's a cool guy. I think you should go for him. But yet she said, my daddy, she said, I had, uh, she said, and this is odd, but I had just read the story about Rehoboam. Am I going to listen to the advice of my friends or the older one? And she said, my dad told me he just didn't feel that that was God's will. And she said, I made a decision at that juncture that I'm going to choose to submit to my dad. Come on. And I'm going to follow his advice. And I'm, for one, I'm pretty glad she made that step. (laughs) But I'm telling you, the right advice will help you, and the wrong advice will mess you up. Now, here's another follow-up. Who are your closest friends? Who are your closest friends? Because young or old, you will adopt their values. You will, you will hold important what they hold important. Now, here's a great scripture. Let's all read this. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. It says, don't be misled. Bad company does what? Corrupts good character. So people that are not living a dedicated Christian life, they will corrupt you. Now, let me say this. First of all, as a Christian, I'm to love everybody. I'm not better than anyone else on the planet. And I'm try- I should try to reach everyone. But how many know that I'm not going to let them get so close to me that they're influencing me in the wrong direction? Here's my deal with my kids. My kids get freedom as long as they're responsible. As long as they're influencing people, they can hang around with them if they're pulling them towards Christ. But the minute those people start pulling my kids, come on, in the wrong direction, that's time that in the Miller household, that's not a relationship we're going to have. You say, who are you to say that to them? I'm their parent, and that's what parents do. That's what parents do. But, but the people you hang out with, who are your friends? You will be like them. Peer pressure is real. Now, look, I'm 56. I know I don't look it, but I'm 56. <laughs> and it's, people still affect me. It, 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 it matters to me what they think about me, what they say about me, how they respond to me. It matters, and I guarantee if it matters to me as an older guy, it matters to you kids a ton. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to feel like you have to dress like people, go to places, all the cool people will be there. It's all over Facebook. But I'm telling you, they can pull you in a ditch. I had a good uh, someone that I knew very, very well growing up, and this guy was living a good life. I mean, he, had, he was smart, made great grades, but all of a sudden the wrong friends got in his life. And when the wrong friend's got in his life, his A's turned into D's, you say, what difference does that make? Well, do you want to have nice things when you grow up or do you want to be poor? Do you want to have a career where you can have, go on nice vacations and things or, or do you want to have to work two or three jobs and struggle? Look, I'm just telling you, we live in a real, real world and the decisions that you make as a young person will affect you for the rest of your life. And my friend went from A's to D's and his friends went from really, you know, just nice, good, normal people who went to the church. I hate to use the word scuzzy, but I'm going to use it because I don't know what else to say. And he found himself at 19 years of age really not living the life that he wanted to live when he looked in the mirror. You understand what I'm talking about? So I'm not just talking something ethereal. I'm talking from the experience of life that the people you associate with will determine your future because their values will become yours. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. Let me give you another one who are your role models who are your role models because you're going to be like them and your role models in life will either pull you closer to christ or pull you away from him now i'm fifty-six i have role models i have several preachers are role models to mine i record their videos uh, 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 pastor robert morris is a role model td jakes i like him I, li- I went to a pastor's conference not too long ago and i would known from a distance a man named larry Stockstill. But boy, in this pastor's seminar, I answered three altar calls that day. None of your business what they were. But, but, I mean, it impacted my life. And I looked at that guy's life and I said, this guy is doing something in the world for Christ. I want to be like him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 15, listen to the, the scripture. It says, give special recognition to the family of Stephanus. I want you to look up to people like that. Uh, companions and workers who show us how to do it, giving us something to aspire to. People will give you something to aspire to. Now, listen to me. If Beyonce is your role model, you're probably going to dress a bit seductively. Well, does the Bible teach seductive dress or does it teach modest dress? Well, sure it does. Listen, it's hard enough to try to dress modestly. My wife tells me, look, if you want to find an appropriate bathing suit for your daughter, you go buy it because I can't find one. I mean, you, you understand, we live in a world out there that the more skin, the better. Let me, listen to me, young people. You live in a world that does not hold your sexual purity in, in the place of respect that it needs to. See, in the Bible, it's an honor if you're a virgin when you marry. But in the world, people will laugh at you. Who is going to influence you, though, is my question. Are you going to be just someone, listen, that is passed around? Are you going to be the object of people's affection, and when they're done with you, they throw you away? Are you going to give your life one day to someone that you marry? Now listen, this is the way this works, our role models. Do your role models on television and radio and and, and the media and Facebook, are, are they encouraging you to live a life of sexual purity? Are they basically applauding whether they sleep with guys, girls, or both, or it doesn't matter? Because that's hip, that's in, that's cool. You don't want to be old-fashioned. Well, look, if old-fashioned means living in a way that pleases God, I'm choosing old-fashioned. How about you? But I'm telling you, if you're into sports, are you going to be influenced by somebody that when they score a touchdown or a goal, lifts up one finger to heaven? Are you going to be influenced by somebody that struts around and say, look at me and look what I've done? I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather be like Tim Tebow. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. So let me give you one more question. Not only your role models, not only the advice, your closest friends, but, but how is the media influencing the way you think? Now stay with me on this. How is the media, this third-party influence? I'm talking about people on Facebook. I'm talking about what you hear on the news. If, if all you know about what's going on in America is from David Letterman, I'm telling you, you're in trouble. What's influencing you? What do you read? What books do you read? What, what, what is it out there? You know, if, if Oprah influences you, because here's what I'm talking about. Do you have a secular worldview Or a Christian worldview? Is your thinking shaped by people in the world? Now listen, Jesus himself said, there's a narrow path that leads to eternal life, but a what? A wide path that leads to what? Destruction. And I'm just telling you that the, most of the world is influencing you on a wide path. Uh, if you listen to Oprah, when she talks spirituality, she says, God is a feeling experience, not a believing experience. So it's like, you take John 3:16 and just throw it out of the Bible. What media influences the way that you think? Uh, If a rap song says, women are only good for one thing, and that's what you're listening to, but I know, Pastor, it's the beat, man. (laughs) It's more than the beat. I'm a little dizzy. I don't know how you do that. Hang on just a minute. A jihadist website tells you how to build a bomb. And you hit the next link, and you go to the next link, and before you know it, all these people whose names you can't pronounce, who you don't know and will never meet, are trying to push you over the edge. Think that's what happened to those two boys? I do. What influences you? If you listen to a certain vein of the media, they'll tell you that, oh, oh, oh those people are, are, are right-wing, are pro-lifers are, are right-wing extremists. Let me tell you something that's troubled me deeply this week that I'm grappling with and praying about. You know, our president, this week he was a, 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 a featured speaker at a Planned Parenthood fundraiser. I want you to think about this. And please put politics aside just a second. Someone told me after church this morning, they said, Yeah, I was in Walmart and I told him, somebody invite him to my church. And, and the guy said, Well, yeah, I've been there, I like the music, but that preacher, man, he's just got too many opinions. I am an opinion shaper. But I'm trying to shape your thinking from the Bible. I'm trying to connect the dots in culture to the world out there to ground you in the way that the Bible tells us to look at things. And this is a perfect example. Let's talk about abortion. Let's talk about life. What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches we dedicated to these babies that they're precious in the sight of the Lord. Come on. That they're created in the womb of their creator. That they have personhood in the womb. John the Baptist was a person inside his mother's womb. He was not fetal material. Come on, he was more than a choice. But as I listened to our president, I, 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 I listened to what the speech, I listened to what different sides of the news media said about it. And one of them couched it all, his words in women's health. Now listen to me just a second. What does abortion have to do with a woman's health? Please stay with me just a second. Please. What does it have to do with a a woman's health? Most of what Planned Parenthood does is not referrals for mammograms. It is not referrals. Listen, friend. It is not referrals for adoption. It is abortion, which is the taking of a human life. And I don't say this as some man that can't identify this. I say this as a first-party person that understands this. An abortion is the taking of a human life. Thou shalt not murder. And then when my president closed the speech, he said, God bless Planned Parenthood. Now listen, that, that, it, it, it all troubles me. Where does this come from? Here's my question. Who influenced him to think that way? Who influenced the abortionist who's on trial now? Kermit Gosnell, have you been following that? It was hidden in much of the media. He was one who would do late-term abortions. Now listen to me. Late-term abortions, that's children that would often survive the abortion and they're alive on a table. A culture has become barbaric that does not care for the innocent among us. A child that's living and breathing, and multiple times employees said Mr. Gosnell would snip the child's spinal cord. And the legal term for that is the right to an effective abortion, which means once the mother has decided that's it and that child is not a person who has They're confused. They don't know what to do. Can I tell you, friends, these type of moral issues need to be grounded in the Bible. They need to be grounded in the way that we think. And I would encourage you to let your thinking about the subject be shaped from someone with a biblical worldview. Come on, not someone that's coming from the other side of the spectrum. Okay? Okay, six amens are better than seven, or better than five. Proverbs four twenty-three. Be careful what you think because... Be careful what you think. Now, let me, let me shift gears. Those four questions, I'm asking you, who influences you? And are they coming from a Christ-honoring, Bible-believing perspective or something else? Now, let me talk about the power of Christian influence. First and most importantly, the Bible shapes the way we think this is not just an archaic book Romans 12 two says this don't be conformed to this world but be that's the word in biology when a a a a a caterpillar turns into a butterfly that's when a caterpillar turns into butterfly so this can happen be transformed by the renewal of your mind, mind from the secular thought to the Christian thought and notice what it says, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. So the test is, when you hear something in culture, when your friends are doing it, when you're feeling it, or when you're thinking it, how does it line up against the standard of the Bible? And that lets you know whether it's true or false, whether it lines up with what God, God believes or whether it doesn't. Because the Bible contains the thoughts of God. And our job, if you want, to be, if you want your influence to be from the Christian perspective, then you've got to let the Bible interpret how you look at things. Let me give you another example, practical culture example. Let's talk about caring for our planet. Let's talk about environmentalism just a minute. First of all, I'm somebody that wants everybody to pick the garbage up. I want clean air and clean water. How about you? Drives me nuts when people throw stuff out the window. But at what point do the people on the planet become more important than the planet? Are people more important than animals? Because there's a great push in the world today for population control. See, when I see people, I see them as potential to populate heaven. You know, let me give you some Bible boundaries on this now to undergird this thinking. First of all, first God created the planet and then he put animals on it and then he put man on it that was the crowning of his, of his creation. Man created in the image of God. So in Genesis, the Bible elevates man above the creation. In Peter, the Bible tells us that one day God will destroy the heavens and the earth, and there'll be a new heaven and a a new earth. So at some point, care for the planet has almost turned into worship of the planet, a worship of the creation. Here's how it works. Several years ago, the old type of Freon was not only to keep you cool in your car and in your buildings, but it functioned in refrigerators to keep your food from spoiling. And literally the decision was made to get rid of the Freon, and what it did is it killed likely millions of people in the third world because they couldn't keep their food safe, come on, and their food couldn't be kept, and their children couldn't be able to eat it because it was decided that that Freon was affecting, come on, carbon emissions, global warming, and all that. So what happens then is people become less important than the planet. How about DDT? I was taught all my life that DDT is terrible, it's bad, it's wrong, it kills people. I've read scientific papers that talk about DDT, that actually it was not as bad as it was thought, and here was the deal, the decision that was made. Literally, tens of millions of people died from malaria and mosquitoes because they wouldn't spray the bugs. Now look, these are issues that are not easy, that are complicated, But I'm telling you, we need to be undergirded in our thinking with the Bible and a biblical worldview about life. And if someone is teaching you, listen to me, kids, and if you're learning from a secular teacher in a secular school book, you'll have no context whatsoever about God valuing people and man being created in the image of God, and hence everything else makes sense. Because influence is not just about what you hear, it's often about what you don't hear. Uh, that was a good time for an amen. amen. Let me give you another one. The Christian influence is not only the Bible, but Christian in friends influence us how to stay focused on Jesus. We're talking about Christian people now. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another. Now, what does that mean? I need mature Christians in my life to help me live right. I need people. How many would say the Christian life is pretty hard to live sometimes? Sure it is. It's hard. Let's say you're sitting in a movie theater. Or let's say you're sitting in front of your television or something. And you're watching something that you start feeling that icky feeling like I shouldn't be watching it. And if I'm watching that, if I'm in that movie theater and there's one too many of those scenes. You know what I'm talking about. It's one time too many on those words. It's easier to get up and walk out when two eyes connect next to each other and say, what are we doing here? Come on. But if I'm with someone that's just saying, "Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it," this is just too practical today. I'm telling you, your friends will influence you, and you don't listen. You don't just need any Christian to influence you. You need somebody that's mature influencing you, because an immature Christian's advice is often as bad as a worldly person's advice. You know what do you mean? Let's talk about smoking pot just a minute. You're a new Christian and you like it, and it's been a part of your life, and you show up at the party, and you say, man, dude, you just never guess what happened to me. I went to church the other day, and I was in Powerhouse, and I gave my heart to God, and it's changed my life. And they said, okay. <laughs> Don't look so Holy Joe out there. <laughs> now, you already know you want to do it. You love Jesus, and the only way, the way you solve your quandary is, Golly, you know, I was thinking, and and God created this hemp plant. This hemp was created by God, therefore it must be good. And Colorado just passed it, and I don't know why Arkansas, we almost did, so heck. And I found this Bible verse. Look here, dude. What? A smoking flax he shall not quench. That's got to be referring to pot, man. Here. A mature Christian might say, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, stupid. They're dumb, but don't you be dumber. Godly Christian leaders provide an example to follow. Look, I'm out of time. I'm not going to develop that much. But let me say this. Every one of us needs someone that's a step ahead of us to be a godly influence. I need them in my life. You need people in your life. You need people that know the Bible, that live it and that care enough to tell you the truth. Amen. See, that live the life and care enough to tell you the truth. Well, let me let me close with this scripture. This morning I've been talking about, about who is influencing you. But this last moment I want to ask this I want to make this statement is that you're called to influence people for Christ. Let me say it again. You're called to influence people For Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, the Amplified Translation, it says, Pattern yourselves after me. Can you say that with me? Pattern yourselves after me as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. That's Amplified. Pretty cool translation there. Here's what it's saying. Jesus has set a pace for us to follow, and I'm doing it with my life. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing a pretty good job, so come on, go the way that I'm going. You know, that's exactly what God wants you to do. You don't have to be me standing behind a box in a suit to be able to do that. Can I tell you, God wants you to do that right where you are. He wants you to do it around the table when you're eating with people. He wants you to do it at the ball field. Come on. He wants you to do it at the job. He wants you to do it in the classroom. He wants you to be an influencer of other people. Because, you, you know, do you know that you and I are called to preach the gospel everywhere we go? And when necessary, we use words. We're Christians, friends, and we're an example to follow. What would have happened to those two bombers, those two young guys? What would have happened if a Christian could have influenced their life? What would have happened if in their school one day the Gideon took an hour off his lunch break? He was tired, stressed, and he knew 90% of the people would heckle him and laugh at him. That's what they did before. But what would happen if the Holy Spirit called him to go to that classroom and give out a Bible? That's how I got saved. A guy showed up uh, before I went in the military And a room with 200 people, and they were just crazy. But I was listening because I was searching. And he gave me a Bible, and I signed my name in the back and committed to Christ. What if that Gideon had been there? What if somebody at Cambridge University, when he was talking about terrorism, what if somebody at Cambridge had have told him a better way, come on, that there's a God of love rather than the God of violence? What if? What if someone had taken a prayer burden for those two guys? Before they tell in terrorism trash, but they just knew that they were lost and they needed Jesus. What if somebody cared enough to tell them? What if, what if a Christian missionary had gone to Chechnya and before the family ever came to America had led those family, the grandfather and the fathers, to Christ and those children would have been raised in a Christian home? I'm telling you, there's power and in influence. And God has given us not only a responsibility, but the greatest calling in life is to let our lives shine to be a light for people to say. So we can say, follow me, come on, as I follow Christ. Give the Lord Jesus a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Thank God. I'm going to ask you this question that I want you to take just a moment in dialogue with God. The last couple of minutes will be dedicated to prayer. I want you to just bow your head a minute and just say, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what does this message mean to me today? I want you to say, Holy Spirit, would you show me if I'm being influenced in the wrong way? Just give God just a moment. You're asking me if there's some things that maybe you need to get rid of. Some people you may need to take a step away from. Sing it, Pastor. God can give you power to pull away. There is power Listen to me, young people. The, the Holy Jesus. Spirit can give you power to say no. There is power in the name of Jesus. Lord, just reach out to heaven. There is power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. To break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. Break every Thank God Why don't you just bow your heads a moment in prayer And I wonder Has God placed his finger on something in your life Are you being influenced In the wrong direction Are the wrong people influencing you Is there someone in your circle of friends Someone that's close to you That's pulling you off the pathway That you want to be on And maybe the Holy Spirit has convicted you today I wonder is, is there some media that you're taking in that God has shown you it's not good, it's not helping you, it's hurting you. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, God's shown me that these are some influences in my life that I need to get rid of, and I want you to pray for me that God would just give me the strength and the courage to do it. Nobody looking around, it's not their business, but if God is speaking to you and you want His help, would you just lift your hand up right now? Just slip your hand and say I've got some things influencing me That's right all over the building What you're doing is God is looking at this now Nobody else's business God is God's business If God's convicting you That's your way of saying yes That's why I'm doing this That's your way of saying yes To the Holy Spirit Yes I know that person is not helping I know I know that website is not good It could be pornography It could be a secret part of your life And you need to say Holy Spirit please invade this area of my life Lord, for all of us today, right now, and everyone just to slip your hands to heaven. Lord, we just ask you to come to us. We just, Lord, take our honest confession today. And Lord, we just pray that you help us have the courage and the strength, Lord, to be able to say no to those things that are destructive. And we just want to pray not only for ourselves, but for our families, for people that we care about, for Christians that we know that are being pulled off the right path. We just pray, Lord, that you would help them get pulled in the right direction. But I just want to pray for me right now, Lord, that you help me have the courage. To be able to say no and the power to say yes to the right things and I pray this in Jesus name i want to pray a prayer blessing over you now if you're here and when I started talking about influencers if you want God to help you be a greater influencer if you want God to anoint you so that your light can shine brightly in the world I want you to just stand to your feet right now and I want to pray for you that God's gonna help you influence many people for righteousness that God's going to help you whether it's on the ball field wherever it is the office, the classroom, the church, the movie theater that God's going to help you be an influencer Lord we're all standing before you today acknowledging number one that this is a hard thing to do it's a hard thing to stand for Christ It's it's a hard thing to talk to a stranger it's even harder to talk to a close friend but Lord we're going to pray right now that you give us spiritual strength come on pray that right now just say Holy Spirit give me spiritual strength and power to be able to be the witness that you want me to be. I just want to ask you, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh now. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit so I might be able to be a bold witness for Christ. I just welcome you today. And I just bless my friends now. Thank God in the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. He is he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. I want to close with one last prayer, an opportunity for a personal prayer for you you're here this morning and something has really resonated with you in this message but you just feel like you're in a place you don't know how to get out of I know what it's like you're entwined in a relationship not only is it hard to quote say no but but you like it I mean there's just parts of your flesh and i am tell you I live there I understand I know maybe you need somebody to pray for you maybe you've got a friend a loved one somebody you're close to and they're tied up in a relationship or a lifestyle that's bringing them down let us pray for them today doesn't matter what it is, but if something in your heart is resonating with God and pulling you for prayer, let us pray for you. Most importantly, though, maybe you're here today and you say, "Pastor, my greatest need is to get right with God." Let me tell you, when I was 19 years of age, if you looked at me from the outside, you thought everything was great, but on the inside, I knew that my life was like 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 pouring water in a bucket with a hole in the bottom, and I was not putting the right things in it, and I couldn't fill up that I couldn't I couldn't find happiness that lasted what I found on Friday night I had to do again on Saturday night you understand what I'm talking about and before you know it you had to do it on Sunday morning and Sunday lunch I'm telling you Jesus Christ plugged that hole for me Jesus will change your life I was raised in church but I didn't know it was more than just going to a building singing a song and <coughs> listen to somebody talk I didn't realize that I needed to be born again I didn't realize that I needed to give my life to Christ and receive him as my Savior I'm telling you something transformational happens when a person surrenders to Jesus Christ And maybe today is your day to receive forgiveness and receive Him as your Savior. Maybe you've gotten off track, and today is the day to get back on board. If that's you, though, we'd be honored to pray for you. We're going to sing it one last time. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come and stand at the altar. And if something is pulling you for prayer, let me encourage you, say yes to it. Come on, sing, Pastor. You need prayer for any of these things today. Making a step for Christ, personal help for you, people you love and care about. Come, let us pray for you. I love you very much. Thanks for being here. See you at the National Day of Prayer Thursday and Brother Scarborough next weekend. God bless you.